Rangers and residents of Mariner Bay, welcome to the Sentai Truther Club. I am your host, Grav, and with me as always is my lovely comrade, Kennedy. Hey, hey. Hi, hello. What's bappin'? And today, <laughs> uh, normally we would have a guest for you, but unfortunately we had a bunch of technical difficulties and time is of the essence of getting this episode out. Um, yes, so at a certain point we just had to make the decision to just make this episode guestless so that it could happen and we could move on. We've got a backlog of recordings at this point. And it's unfortunate because we had a very excellent guest for this episode originally, Ted Anderson from Tonight We Riot. Um, and we hope to have him on in the future uh, in a makeup recording, but uh, we can't get it. We can't get it done in time at this point, which is very sad for all of us. However, uh, this episode is still a little bit of a collab with Tonight We Riot because we're still going to be giving away five, five copies yep, of five Tonight copies. We Riot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is just a totally, this is just a totally, this is a totally fun thing. And all you got to do is follow us on Twitter. Mm-hmm. You just got to follow at Sentai Truther. I'm posting this episode probably by the 11th, so I'm, I'll extend it by a week. So the 18th is when we will be okay. giving away five copies of Tonight We Riot. Um, oh yeah. And so thank you so much, Ted Anderson, for for providing those. And yeah, we hope to have you on in the future without so many problems this has been a we're just gonna pull back the curtain here for a second just say that you know this has been one of the the most challenging couple of weeks or months of making this show just in terms <laughs> of tech, technical issues yeah it's and, mostly uh, it's mostly just been my end on the most part i'll take the blame here but um basically uh my mic setup as you guys might have noticed a couple of episodes ago my mic setup seems to have been really quiet and uh, when it was boosted, it sounded like crap as well. So unfortunately, it was kind of like a lose-lose situation. And I think we had recorded like four episodes like that before I was taking like an absurd amount of time to edit some Sentai Truther Club episodes. So I was like, yeah. hey, we're going to have to... I know we're ahead on our recordings and this is great and everything, but we're going to have to just calm down for a little bit. I get the, the all the parts in and everything. But so far, so good. Um, so much so that, like, I had a MacBook Air at one point. It was the M1 MacBook Air. And uh, I had the exact same audio settings for weeks. And it would be, like, one or two out of every ten recordings was messed up. And it had... Yeah. I never changed any settings or anything, but... For some reason, there was always that percentage chance, and I was just like, the second time it happened, I was like, you know what? I guess it's time to the go back to, uh, <laughs> to this, the end of uh, Apple for me. So, uh, yeah, immediately bought like a Dell Inspiron, and uh, I'm going to be transitioning over to that. So, yeah, uh, going forward, episode should be more timely, of course, but also uh, we definitely want to say a big shout-out, some big thank you to Ted Anderson and as we roll into our best and worst episodes of Power Rangers Lightspeed Rescue, man, you know, it was very easy to pick the worst episode. It was hard <laughs> to pick the best episodes. It was very, very hard. And honestly, there's, a, there's an honorable mention that we're going to have to shout out that in particular was right on the cusp of being chosen. Yeah, for sure. There was definitely 
considering that we've had to re-record this now, I think it's safe to say that like we're recording this postseason review. We had a bunch of episodes that we rated ten out of tens. Yeah. And those episodes did not make it to this one. If that tells yeah. you anything. <laughs> uh just just an absolute banger of a season. You know, we we had our gripes for it, but man, like when we were discussing it, it was uh it was a lot of pog. Yeah, it was a very impressive season. It was really hard to pick favorites and gosh, it was just there was so much to like because they really brought together the elements of like the best parts of so many things that we've seen before with very few slip-ups overall. And the main issue this season, which we get into more in the season review, is just that there's there's a little too much just villains just acting not interesting at all. <laughs> yeah, kind of just playing it by the book. Or like just kind of overall the presentation on the villains was underwhelming, right? We had a lot of build up, a lot of concepts, but it ended up being underwhelming uh in execution. Yeah. Um yeah. as evidenced by our worst episode, Trakina's Revenge, uh, they can't even <laughs> make like Trakina a good villain, it seems in this. Which season. doesn't make sense. Trakina was a good villain the first time. Yeah, um, especially by the end of the season, she had become a very strong villain. So where is that strength of character again? You know, what's up with that? Doesn't make any sense, really. This is the first team up that's bad, kind of or not bad, but just not very good compared to this like... is probably the worst Ranger crossover so far. And that's seeing something because one of them involved Justin. <laughs> yeah, which is like the bar for these crossover episodes, right? Because this is like the main television event, right? Like when you think yeah. back to Saturday night car- or sorry, Saturday morning cartoons and like all that type of stuff. When you get events like this, it's hyped up throughout the week. New episodes of Power Rangers, right? And you see like a trailer of like whatever the episode's going to be about. You know, you would hype something like this up. And it's unfortunate because I mean... The main issue with the episode is Leo, right? Because specifically, we picked Trakina's Revenge Part One, and uh, right. this was part a, okay. a Leo. Yeah, Part Two was pretty okay, but Part One, unfortunately, was very Leo focused. And uh, man, you would think, given some extra acting lessons, some more time, you know, Leo would come out the other end a better actor, but. He still no. continues to perform a no growth. Trash. <laughs> yeah, the only really likable parts of this episode are the parts that aren't the Lost Galaxy Rangers focused. It's like Lightspeed has a few interesting moments. There's actually this Chad has these like water bombs that they use to put out a fire. And it's kind of an interesting like moment of them using technology to save people and kind of leaning into that and then it's back to lost galaxy people and they're just punching monsters and running around a jungle and all kinds of stuff that you don't care about and whatever and uh (laughs) it's just unfortunate and you know if you needed any proof that they really like they care about these episodes and they hype them up and that they should have done better it's the fact that this is a two-parter in a season where there's like almost no two-parters that's another interesting fact yeah 
Like, episodes you would think would be two-parters are just, nah, we're just doing it all in 20-something minutes. It. Boom, boom, boom. This is one of the few two-parters, and uh, yeah, no. It's a miss. Uh, at least this first part is in particular. And not because of time constraints or anything like that, really. It's just a simple matter of fact that these actors sucked in terms of, like, the Lost Galaxy stuff. It's really just this part as well because part two features the other Lost Galaxy Rangers, and they're great. Like, Kendrick's comes on the screen. Even Kai comes on the screen. You're like, oh, you know what? Maybe, maybe Kai wasn't that bad, you know? <laughs> Uh, maybe yeah, we gotta revisit the filler in, in Lost Galaxy and uh, give Kai another chance. You're giving them all that nostalgic second chance, which is, of course, that's the point of the crossover episode, right? You know, is <laughs> to bring these people back and you go, aw, last season's Rangers. Uh, I guess I kind of miss them. I guess I will buy the VHS tapes. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess I will rewatch the entire last season again. I guess I will buy all the missing action figures I didn't buy the first go around. <laughs> yeah. It's another moment where instead of the new Rangers looking like shit alongside the old Rangers who looked cool as hell, this is the moment where it's like, nah, actually the new Rangers look cool as hell and the old Ranger looks like shit. Because the Lost Galaxy designs are really bad. Like, just, they're just really, really bad. Also, their power levels are low. Yeah, even compared to Lightspeed Rescue, which is, like, a government-issued morpher, it kind of shows that the power levels are low just because they weren't, like, Leo wasn't able to completely merc Trakina. No. Like, Trakina so, yeah, comes but... off as, like, Vipra. Like, that's how bad Trakina is in this episode. It's like, they basically get, like, Having the Lost Galaxy Rangers is like having three extra Power Rangers, not five, in terms of strength or something like that. It's just, it's just kind of pathetic. <laughs> Damn, dog them out more, why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that was the worst episode for sure. And honestly, there weren't that many other contenders for worst, like. I feel like when we talk about worst episodes, we get very ragey because it becomes like a big waste of time when we talk about our worst episodes. This one, it wasn't like necessarily a waste of time. It was just not that good compared to like everything else we saw, which is a very like kind of milquetoast criticism in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. But you almost feel like you could have just watched not part two. Yeah, including or... the recap of part one, where it's just like last time on Power Rangers, the Lost Galaxy Rangers showed up, and then you just watch part two. Yeah, kind of like that Balkan skull <laughs> thing, trying to explain away the fact that they were invisible for a little bit. Yeah, like a little bit of mm -hmm. trouble with that in Turbo. Yep. Oh man, good times, yeah. fun times, fun times. <laughs> oh. Now, on the other hand, picking best episodes was a whole nother story because again there was so much to choose from it was a bit of a challenge but let's start with the first one uh sequentially that we picked which is trial by fire which is this sort of carter build-up episode and um they really did this smart because this is literally the third episode so hella go... surprising hella surprising like this is like this if this was any other show 
this episode would have happened at like 23 out of 42 episodes or something like that. I mean, if this was Power Rangers three seasons ago, this episode would be like episode 15. No, this episode would be like 30 out of like 39. (laughs) 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 You just get thrown this like, it would be like another gung-ho episode. (laughs) Or it just, it's like a really good canon character development episode that somehow takes place in the last like third of the season. (laughs) Right, like after like, these two have already been working together for like three seasons and like shit practically it feels like not actually but it's i'm just saying like you just already feel like come on shouldn't we have done this already y'all have been like just palling around beating up monsters for weeks (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah uh, yeah yeah this is perfectly timed because episode one is the show intro here's the new power rangers here's the situation Episode two is here's a little more backstory to the way things are, the way the world works. And here's your Zords. And here's like, you know, kind of like the full stakes of things. So straight off the back of that, episode three is Trial by Fire, um, which begins with the team doing a rescue training uh, exercise. And Carter gets the lowest score. He doesn't understand why. Um. In the meantime, there's these like artificial earthquakes terrorizing Mariner Bay. So the Rangers can't really like finish discussing everything they have to take off. Carter's trying to be a good leader, but uh, the situation's pretty hectic. And um, he and Captain Mitchell kind of end up disagreeing over how to handle things during the mission and like arguing a little. And Captain Mitchell's like, listen, you got to follow my orders right now and do it my way. Carter ends up just feeling like extremely frustrated by the end of it. Yeah, they have like um, a Call of Duty modern warfare like training scenario, <laughs> which is very interesting. And Carter fails it, but like <laughs> it's like typical like gamer moment type deal where like he does it, he hits every target, and he gets like a 94%. And you're like screaming at the game, like, why the fuck did I get 94 and not 100? This makes no sense. And then, like, the game is just like non compliant. It doesn't tell you what exactly you did wrong. Yeah. So you're just like, <laughs> oh, fuck. And you're looking up and a then bunch right of after guides that, and shit. You're straight into the field and you're dealing with an actual situation and Captain Mitchell yelling at you again. So Carter's just not having a good day and he's feeling like frustrated and unsure about himself. So they get back from the mission. Carter goes to visit this little boy in the hospital. The little boy is kind of upset with him, like basically like accusing him, like you could have done better kind of vibes, you know, just like, (laughs) you know, why, why did you let us get hurt? Why did you, why did you let these bad things happen? It's very emotional, actually. Yeah. <laughs> they did a very no, I, good job with the acting. Carter sells it for sure. Carter really sells it. And then this whole sequence in the hospital causes Carter to recall a mysterious firefighter that saved him when he was a child from a fire. Little kid Carter is in a burning building and this this mystery firefighter saves him. And this is like this is like one of the big inspirations for Carter's life, period. Um, 
and Carter's like trying to figure out like am I on that path to be like that mystery hero who saved me once upon a time or am I not and this is like a this is like a big crossroads for his character because he's supposed to be the red ranger he's supposed to kind of be the leader of this team Carter goes back to the training camp and he realizes that he got a low score on the test because he fucked up <laughs> because <laughs> because basically he shot some stuff that he shouldn't have like dangerous materials and yep. he realizes that in the in the actual battle with the monsters that he kind of almost did the same thing that he almost let the fire reach explosive materials in the actual thing and that's why captain mitchell you know, yelled at him and told him to do the other thing, and that's why they fought after and etc. Yeah, Carter did a a self crit. Yeah, it was good stuff. Yeah, you know, and like by the end of all this, Carter apologizes to Captain Mitchell and realizes the errors of his ways, and and he even is like, do should I basically he's like, he's like maybe I shouldn't be the Red Ranger, maybe you should find someone else, and Captain Mitchell is like, no, you've got what it takes, take this lesson to heart. And, you know, go back out there. Yeah, just a really morally good lesson that was done that I felt like this had a lot of entertainment and good acting that sold it all throughout to where it was such a good watch. I was just a a really big fan of Carter this episode. This really sold me as Carter being, like, one of the best Red Rangers that we've seen and this is straight from episode three, you know? Like, when have we ever felt this way about a Red Ranger from episode three? No, yeah, it's really effective, and it's really timed perfectly. And it just really makes for, like you say, a really, really enjoyable watch. And, yeah, I just, the the moment where Carter and Captain Mitchell make up, and Carter is, like, you know, just doubting himself, but Captain Mitchell just builds him back up. After all that fighting that they've been through, Captain Mitchell reveals, you know, I wasn't mad at you. I was just trying to make sure we all do the right thing. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's like a a really powerful thing to show in that kind of media. Cap, This was also important character development for Ca- Captain Mitchell as well. Yeah. Because this is when you realize, oh, yeah, Captain Mitchell is not, like, a really good actor who's also going to take a really prominent role with how the team develops, too, right? Because he's essentially Zordon, but he's more relatable to Zordon because he, too, also can make mistakes or something. Or, like, you can have conversations with him without him just being, like, authoritative about it, Yeah, no, he's he's also just a person. Yeah, rather than some, like, otherworld otherworldly entity yeah yeah being mysterious and playing tricks on you yeah a big scene too (laughs) that i think is like huge in this episode that really sells it is when the kid gets hurt when carter and viper are duking it out and um, carter has to save the kid and the parent from the crumbling debris that's all around them and the kid ends up getting hurt with the concussion it is such an emotionally impactful scene Like, I remember watching that, and when it happened, I was just thinking about, like, Star Fox 64, when your R-Wing gets destroyed, and uh, Falco Falco, uh, sees sees your R-Wing blow up and just yells, No! 
And you hear the fucking like sound effect in the background. Like that was like exactly the type of like emotional intensity you were getting from that scene. Yeah, it was very um just just a lot of drama this episode and handled well. The next episode in sequential order is Cyborg Rangers. And this was your pick for favorite episode. It was, to me, one of the top picks as well. Uh, Cyborg Rangers is an important episode, not only because of how good it is, but because it also goes over labor issues and how uh, automation affects the workplace and how labor can react to it as well. You kind of get some deep lore for the show, like this particular season anyway, you know, where like they don't always pull back the curtain and get into like, you know, what's going on behind the scenes at the Aqua Base every episode and things like that, or what's going on behind the scenes with the larger government even more so. Um, some episodes, you know, it's basically just like, hey, Rangers, there's a monster, get out there, you know, and like there's not much discussion of like how things are behind the scenes. Yeah, they introduced that sort of stuff more so in Lost Galaxy, but that had to do with the setting it was on more so than, like, just being another element of the show. Yeah, and it certainly appears, like, regularly here, but it's just something where you don't always get quite as much uh, information. Like, we knew more about the government of Terra Venture by far than we ever learned about, like, the government of Mariner Bay, for instance. But... yes. This is one of those opportunities to get a little taste, and it's a really fun one. It's just an all-around very enjoyable episode. I like to think of it as Power Rangers doing Black Mirror, kind of. <laughs> so the Rangers are out fighting a monster. You know, we, we open right in the action. It's going really bad. The Rangers are basically getting their asses kicked. It looks like things are just as wrong as it gets basically like at one point the red rangers on the ground and like the monster is just standing over him with a weapon and it's like uh oh this seems extremely bad but then who appears it's another group of power rangers but they're not real people they're robots it's Um, amazing how menacing you can make something look by just putting an antenna on its head just an antenna and a little chess piece you know a little darth vader chess piece that's all it takes. <laughs> suddenly, all it takes. suddenly, you're like, "Oh, that's evil." That's the evil robot. It's like Boston um, Dynamics uh, putting out some yeah. of their dog robots, and then being like, "Look how cute this is!" With like cute. Uh, the M- uh, the Empire theme song in the background. Kawaii. Yeah. Thumbs down. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so the, the the cyborg rangers appear. Five Power Rangers. They look exactly like are rangers except they have antennas and stuff and they come in and they kick the monsters butt quickly and the power rangers are at first like pretty thrilled like oh what the heck they this carter is like be helpful yeah carter carter's response is we can cover twice as much ground now yeah at first all the rangers are kind of like hopeful about oh maybe this could be really helpful you know but then the first troubling thing is they have an interaction with the drone operator who's this like George Costanza looking guy. Um, evil George with... Costanza. Evil George Costanza. And he's got this giant. Like if you've ever seen somebody with a really overly fancy remote control airplane, 
and they got the giant controller with like five joysticks on it. You're just like, damn, what do all those things do? It's like that times four. It's, it's the- like the Steel Battalion controller. <laughs> <laughs> to me, I was getting the NES Advantage vibes from uh, Ghostbusters 2 when they controlled the Statue of Liberty, which reminds me, is the Statue of Liberty a Zord? Yes. Especially since, uh, what you call it, the Ghostbusters car was at Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Season 1, as we saw. That's canon. Yeah, that's canon. So if that's the case, then that means the Ghostbusters were the Power Rangers in the 80s. I mean, five, four or five friends who get together, use some special powers to fight monsters, some of which are really big. There's a there's a Phantom World or yeah, right? Like That's Tokusatsu. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of being suited up, it's just blue collared Power Rangers. Honestly, you love to see it when you think about it that way. <laughs> <laughs> the Rangers are initially kind of hopeful, but again, they they talk to this drone operator with the with the giant controller, the the back-breaking game paddle that he just carries around all the time. And and he's kind of he's kind of aloof with them, and does not seem like their friend, which is the first hint that something is wrong. Meanwhile, back at the Aqua Base, Captain Mitchell's watching the Cyborg Rangers beat the monster, and he's like, "What the fuck? I don't know anything about this, Miss Fairweather. Did you make these?" And she's like, "Hell no! I would tell you if I did something like that." In walks this general. I forget what his actual name is, but it's like one of those stereotypical like 90s action movie type names, like General Wolfhammer. It's like the military like, <laughs> general from Rampage 64. General Ironstrap or something like yeah. that. You know, just like <laughs> Yeah, from like um, the Hulk movie in 2003 or something. <laughs> yeah, it's like the same guy. Um was <laughs> <laughs> a real deep and, cut. Uh, <laughs> Captain Mitchell's like, what is this? I wasn't told anything about this. The general's like, no one was told. This was a secret project. And we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, use this to defeat the evil once and for all. Captain Mitchell's like, oh, great. This, this will be to help out our rangers. And the general's like, no, this is to replace them. And at that point, it becomes clear that there's some kind of internal struggle going on in the military hierarchy of Mariner Bay that it hasn't been fully explored or discussed and unfortunately never is, at least in the episodes that we saw, but which, you know, definitely suggests something. <laughs> yeah, right? This is capital trying to worm its way back in into the public and it's not going to work out. It's not going to work out the way they think it's going to, right? It's like, oh, let's appeal. Now that there's a villain again, right? Now that there's a villain again, right. oh, let's try and worm our way back into the USSA. Nah, son, not in this episode. <laughs> not today. I like to imagine that there's probably like a few of these like top level generals and that not all of them agreed to the aqua base plan, you know? Uh, and that now it's like, you know, one of them is making a power play to try to oust these people that he didn't like or whatever. It, I don't know. It just has, it has a very interesting vibe, which is one of the reasons I like this episode a lot. Yeah, very um, uh, CIA versus Pentagon in the Middle East type shit. 
Yeah, or like uh, kind of like X Files, whenever they'd like fight with some other branch of the government, like that kind of vibe a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So this is one of the <laughs> I have to really draw attention to this because this is one of my fu- favorite things. It's one of the funniest moments in the whole season, practically. So at this point. Captain Mitchell's like, what are you talking about? Replace the Power Rangers. And the general's like, yeah, just look at them. And the Rangers are like coming back from the mission in their Humvee. And the general kind of gestures to them as if like we're about to pan over and it's going to be like, like, like frat boys, you know, throwing beer cans out of the Humvee. <laughs> Good mission, guys you know, bumping chests or something like, like that's like the way that like it sets it up. But instead the camera just pans over and the Rangers are just like, Oh, is everybody's equipment in order? Everybody good? Let's, yeah. Let's get back to, you know, just it was kind of like a scrub <laughs> setup almost. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like that deadpan absurdist kind of thing almost, except I don't know why they did it in that way it just felt really bizarre it's really general wants stone cold killers nothing more nothing less we know this it's true it's true it's obvious when you think about it but um (laughs) uh at this point he lets the rangers know they're fucking fired they turn in their morphers and joel in particular kind of makes a point of turning in his morpher with a little bit of indignation and he's not like inappropriate or like out of line or insubordinate, but he just like hands it in with that like deliberateness and that look on his face. Like you're making a mistake and I want you to remember my face when this comes back to haunt you. Joel really sells it here. Yeah. Not the, this, not the this, first time and not the last not, time in the season. Not the first or the last. No. This is why we love Joel so much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the cyborg rangers, initially, they kind of get checked out by Miss Fairweather. We also cut to the villains for one of the, the better villain scenes of the early season, um, which isn't saying a lot, but it is saying something. The villains in this episode are kind of beginning their, or not to beginning, but the, like their power struggle about what's going to happen with the baby Impus. And what's going to happen when Queen Banshira comes back? All that stuff's kind of coming to a head around this time. And so we get a little taste of that here also. The timeline seems to have sped up on a lot of these threats. And Cyborg Rangers only takes place like, what, seven episodes in? Eight episodes Seven, eight, yeah, something like that. Yeah, and they're already like, hey, the big bad's coming. The big bad's almost here. Yeah, and uh, the villains are kind of upset and freaking out a little about that but it doesn't ultimately add up to a whole lot in this episode but it is it is one of the best moments for some of these like villain lieutenants are like in some of these scenes like this and it's worth noting that they happen Listen, even if the villains are a little disappointing just <laughs> just say her name vipra 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 oh man yeah cool costume Cool costume, <laughs> quite a bit of screen time. It's not much there. <laughs> and and gets it done dirty at the end, let's be honest. But we'll get into that in the season review. Yeah, at this point, Miss Fairweather checks out the Cyborg Rangers. 
the general's kind of trying to impress her a little bit like oh miss fairweather aren't you impressed with the technology and she's like hmm i don't know at the same time while that's happening the the rangers are basically recreating a 90s alternative rock band photo shoot they've all been fired they're in their street clothes and they're all standing moodily on this small bridge and it's just (laughs) going for the like downtown abbey style album cover yeah (laughs) nobody's looking at the camera everybody's looking in a different direction (laughs) and they're kind of talking about it and they're like shit this sucks and you kind of get this range of emotions from the different characters as they sort of reflect on the fact that they've been fired briefly the cyborg rangers in the meantime are deployed because that uh monster from the beginning of the show is back and at first the cyborg rangers seem to have the upper hand the dorky drone pilot is doing his job and keeping them under control and having them do the right things and uh, they seem like they might win but then this monster turns out to be an electricity monster and he shocks the cyborg rangers which of course anytime you zap a robot really hard it turns evil we know this about children's television it's almost <laughs> like this has been a warning for a very long time that maybe we shouldn't trust technology with making life or death situations right so what happens oh no the cyborg rangers turn on the drone operators and start coming towards them instead because of the electric shock. This also causes a big explosion, and the rangers see the explosion, and Carter is like, maybe we should go check it out, and some of them start to go, and then Joel and Kelsey are like, hey, they fired us. Maybe we shouldn't go check it out, and it's not clear if the rangers are even going to go. And, you know, they're kind of justified, right? I mean, like, they totally got fucked, you know, out of nowhere. Didn't even get, like, two weeks notice or something. It's unclear if they get, like, a severance package offered or anything. This seems like a uh, sort of coup attempt at a particular department. Yeah. (laughs) Interdepartmental coup of some kind. Very abrupt. And so it's not clear if the Rangers are going to go check it out because. You know, Joel and Kelsey are like rightfully upset. But of course, they soon show up to try to save the day. And without morphers, start throwing down with the cyborg rangers. Yeah. But yeah. and Carter, like Carter just says, like, hey guys, I know we we're not necessarily like employed by the government anymore, but we should still help out because we're good people. Yeah, and because like rescuing people is something we all believe in, you know, yes. like this is this is fundamental to who we are and like the values that we all agree, agree upon that bring us together as individuals. Exactly. Yeah, that's honestly like there's a lot of cool stuff like that. That's very positive this season. You know, it's funny because you kind of sort of picked another Carter episode as a favorite episode. <laughs> <laughs> It's not strongly a Carter episode, but he does get a little love here. But part of what I love about this episode is a lot of characters get a little love among them, both Joel and Carter. 
and Kelsey Joel too, also, a little bit of an yeah, and, too. and Kelsey a little bit too. I all three characters that I love. Not that I love them way more than the others, though, because I loved pretty much every character this season. But uh, lots of characters got fun screen time. And also Captain Mitchell gets a bunch of screen time because while all this stuff with the Rangers and the Cyborg Rangers has been going on, Captain Mitchell and the General are watching the Cyborg Rangers. And as things go increasingly wrong, they're interacting in these different ways. And the General starts to kind of melt down. Yeah, the General starts to start sweating. (laughs) <laughs> he starts he starts looking like uh he, he starts looking like whoever uh whatever leftist uh findom he sends money to just logged onto the chat. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah, he uh he's just like my job has suddenly gotten in danger all of a sudden. Yeah, he's ter- he's looking terrified, and uh, Captain Mitchell, you know, is watching these cyborg rangers go rogue, and he's like, General, what do you want to do about this, huh? What do you want to do about this, you little bitch? What do you want to do about this, you fucking piece of shit idiot who came up with a dumb, dummy plan, and now it failed, blew up in your face? Huh? Huh? <laughs> huh? Nothing? Okay, I'm taking charge of the situation. <laughs> Back to the Rangers, you know, like we said, they they start taking on the Cyborg Rangers without Morphers, knowing that, you know, this may not go very well. But Captain Mitchell has already had that whole exchange with the general we just mentioned. So he he rolls up. He's got the Humvee. He's got the Morphers. He's tossing at the Morphers like he's a promo guy at a at a Nickelback concert on the sidelines. They're just throwing T-shirts. You want a T-shirt? that Coachella you want a t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> is is uh is Captain Mitchell like allyship from the PMC kinda he kind of crosses the picket line but I think more importantly Captain Mitchell I think in many ways embodies a lot of ideal aspects of the politically informed soldier you know something that a lot of our revolutionary heroes talked about Captain Mitchell is a, is, a, is a soldier who understands the political machine, understands that the part that he plays in it is slightly dirty, and does his best to keep it as clean as he can in spite of that, because he knows what's at stake is real consequences. Right. Well, if his department goes down, that's it for Mariner Bay. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> so, yeah, like he's got the world on his on his shoulders right now. Yeah. So Captain Mitchell rocks up with the the morphers, and they morph. They beat the cyborg rangers. The electricity monster is still there. He gets big. They whip the zords out. They beat him too. All is kind of back to the way things should be, so to speak. <laughs> um, <laughs> they head back to the aqua base, uh, and the general does his best to apologize enough that maybe they don't all file major complaints against him. <laughs> yeah, the man is kind of like groveling, it seems like. He's like openly apologizing to everyone in like within five feet of his vicinity. Just to make sure that he's gotten his point across so that way they don't do anything. But the Rangers ain't no snitch. No, the Rangers don't seem interested in making a bunch of trouble for him because, you know, that's not their way. But 
I imagine Joel and Miss Fairweather both file complaints. Yes, I agree. I think specifically Miss Fairweather definitely like. And Kelsey acts that. as a witness for Joel's complaint. She's like, she doesn't want to file one on her own because it's a lot of paperwork. But she's like, I'll give statements for your complaint to back it up. Yeah. And Joel's like, okay, that's a good deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Miss Fairweather definitely has to attack it from a ethics on technology front for sure. Yeah, for sure. That just is, you know she's gonna You know she publishes reports on like the, the scientific journal. Yeah. She's like a website administrator in that timeline for the scientific journal. <laughs> You just know she'd be on it like that. Yeah. You know? She's not she's not gonna let him get away with it. Like Captain Mitchell is more likely to be like, uh, you know, military honor and pride and let's just let it slide, kinda, you know, like we can't let these institutions crumble. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's kind of his vibe sometimes. So <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> But I, I just really like that episode. Super, super good time. Our last pick for best. This is the one we were most unified on, for sure. Yes, this is our highest rated episode. The Omega Project. It's also the most racially charged episode of the entire show. Yeah, it's also kind of class charged. And it doesn't, it doesn't fully explore all of the themes at play here. That like it could fully, but it definitely it definitely brushes up against some heavy themes, and it's Multiple not afraid to. Themes. Yeah, it's not afraid to like sort of toe the line with some stuff that they've never really touched on before with Power Rangers in this way. I, the way I would describe this episode is like imagine a juggler, right? And he starts off and he juggles one ball, and he still does it like this is like a master juggler. This is like a master juggler who's been doing this for a decade now, right? So he knows all the tricks in the book and everything, and he is like exercised his way into mastering it. And he just comes out with one ball and he starts juggling it kind of like a kind of intricately. And then he adds another one and then another one and then another one and then another one. And you think like, holy shit, he's going to fuck this up or whatever because he's like, putting shit on fire at the same time or whatever uh, while on a <laughs> unicycle and you're like oh fuck he's definitely gonna face plant this shit but no he finishes the routine and you're like yeah. holy shit i can't believe i was alive to experience that and then your only regret is that the whole time he kept eyeing this hoop like he was gonna jump through it but then he doesn't and you're just like damn you should have you should have done that one last thing <laughs> uh, but then you're like can i really complain because he really did so much um <laughs> yeah it's like one of those things but okay so this episode opens with a scene where joel's hanging out with his younger cousin uh simon and they're looking through this telescope checking out the night sky and simon is like a kid genius and like modified this telescope himself and like invents stuff and like is you know always doing things like that. Joel's like, wow, you know, all this like science stuff you've been doing lately is really impressive. And Simon's like, yeah, do you think I'm good enough that I could join Lightspeed now? And Joel gets really serious, you know, 
and he's kind of like, you know, you can work hard and 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 you can maybe one day, you know, do it. But the but light speed is really serious and dangerous. And you definitely kind of get the vibe of like the older sibling who like joined the military because like moms needed medication or some shit and like no one could pay for it. And you're just like, shit, I got to go. I got to be the one. And then you come home from like your tour of duty for like a break and your little brother's like, I want to be just like you. I'm going to join the Air Force too or whatever. And you're you're just like, damn, damn. Like, like there's, they don't really lean into that super hard, but especially when Simon first asked him, the look that passed across Joel's face is exactly the look of that person who's like trying to decide what to tell their younger sibling yeah, who's like I, looking up to them. I know we're and, I know we're adding like, extra sauce. I know like we're we're saucing it up here in the beginning, but like I recall our DMs when I watched this episode and I told you I was like this episode is better than like almost every single 90s and early 2000s flick that I've ever seen. No, yeah, it's really good. And like it's it happens in a really rapid time. You know, so like not everything gets explored as much as it would in like an actual film, obviously. But yeah, there's like a lot of there's a lot of really deep stuff packed in here. And yes, we're like dragging a lot out of it, but I think it's because if you watch Joel it, fucking there's a lot it. to drag out of it. Yeah, Joel fucking <laughs> sells it. Joel's acting is like S tier levels. Like this is like Joel's yeah. reached TJ Heights at this point. In this episode in particular, yeah, he he really has reached that kind of height of emotional storytelling, just selling it all with like just careful delivery and in a in lots a much of really good facial work and and posture and all these things. I would say in terms of quality, like grade quality, it's TJ, but it's actually like its own thing. Yeah. Right? No, yeah, Joel brings something that I think that's why Joel is, is so special to us this season in general is because he really brings something unique. He's not simply fulfilling an archetype that we've seen before. I think this is also why we liked TJ so much when he appeared the first time, you know, is because he was fulfilling something unique. And like Carter, on the other hand, as good as he is, he's definitely playing into an archetype. He's just doing it super, super well. But Joel is legit. He's a new type of Power Ranger. We've never seen a Power Ranger like Joel before. Yeah, I can't really... Because I was trying to see if like I could compare Joel to literally like anybody else. And I was thinking, like, okay, maybe TJ, but not even really. Like, maybe in terms of like acting ability, right? But like, even then, you take TJ's acting and you take him out of the archetypal you know, color assigning that they do in Power Rangers and you just just say fuck it. Like whatever. The the whole the whole part of this episode isn't based around the fact that Joel is a Power Ranger. It's just based around the fact that Joel is a human being like the rest of us. And just just so happens to be in these extraordinary situations. 
right? Yeah. Yeah, and well, we've talked about this a little bit, I think, in the intro, and I think we also probably talk about this some more in the season review. But um, uh, Joel is often a little bit of the stand-in for the audience in the way that his stories are presented and the way that his character is presented. In that he'll kind of like take a stance or reaction that's most relatable to like a real person watching this show. And uh, I think that 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 really allows something like this to hit home all the more an episode like this, because it's like you really feel for Joel. More so than some of the other characters, even if some of these other characters are still great and likable and relatable. You have this deep, like, damn, like, if, like, if, if, let's say, like, there's an episode where just one character is fired, pick any character that's not Joel, and you'd still be interested in the drama, and you'd still feel for them, but if Joel got fired, you'd feel like you just got fired from the Power Rangers, right? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I think that's really critical to why this episode works so well, and why it's so important. Back at the Aquabase, Miss Fairweather is working on upgrades to some of their equipment, and also she unveils a brand new Omega Megazord, which is kind of hard to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and uh, the Rangers are pretty impressed. The new Zords look pretty sweet, um, but they're not quite done. Joel shows up late, tries to give Miss Fairweather some flowers, and just kind of bungles his way through everything in the way that he sometimes does. Is just kind of making a little bit of a fool of himself. And then this like gets compounded when his cousin Simon tries to call him. And Joel's like, damn it, I'm already fucking up enough at work. And like shuts that down right away. You know? Yeah. It's because it's because like Joel's Joel's performance as he's here and his interactions um with his nephew is more or less like you could tell there's like still generational trauma in this timeline of power Rangers because Joel's attitude towards this is like, don't embarrass me in front of the white man, please. You know? Yeah. Like my, I don't want to risk my job, my way of living. I don't want to, I don't want to be embarrassed. Like, please, please, please don't, don't fuck this up for me. Right. Whereas like, had it been literally any of the other rangers, um, it would have just been like, oh, haha, this is my nephew. He's come here to show you guys something, you know? Or he's here to present something to you guys that I thought was interesting. And everybody's like, oh, interesting. Right? Yeah. Um, whereas Joel is kind of like, yo, please, please. Well, and then on. that's even more so like a little later on when he meets up with Simon. Yeah. Like, He's like, he's like, yo, you can't fuck up this job for me. My bad. Did I say this too early? No, you're, you're, you you only skipped ahead like one scene. Like, so, so, you know, my bad. I'm just trying to explain the full context of like, you know, he's, he's upset when he gets the call, but then he's even more so like, you know, really kind of letting Simon have it a little bit, not being super mean, but just being like, yo, you can't, you can't fuck this up for me. Um, there's a certain way that we have to act in front of these people, and it definitely has that added, that that aspect of like act in front of these people. Like, 
like when people from a marginalized group goes to the professional world and try to hide the things that they know the professional class will look down on, but that realistically are a part of their life and that they're not going to stop doing, you know, uh, it doesn't matter if, uh, you know, having a, a, you know, a sloppy backyard barbecue on paper plates, you know, with people getting drunk or something like that. Like, it doesn't matter if like, that's like what your family wants to do on the weekend or something like that. You got to hide that shit, right? Like, like poor people, we all know this. Like we've all, we all have something like that. Um, I was just speaking to something that kind of relates to me there, but like we, you can, anybody who's been poor and marginalized at all and, and trying to like get into a more professional world, you hide that, that, you know, whatever it is, whether it's like redneck behavior or it's the like Latino family gatherings that you don't want the white folks to know about necessarily. Or in this case, Joel with his black family, like, I don't want, you know, I don't want the white folks to know that I have certain kinds of things going on in my life. It's just like a very, they don't fully touch on it, but they do rub up against this very deep thing that I think, like I say, kind of anybody who's been through this struggle to get into the professional class for any reason can totally understand. Simon's like, listen, I'm really sorry, but this is why I was trying to get a hold of you. It is important. There's an asteroid headed towards Earth. I should mention the the villains also knew this and their plot. This is the only failing of this episode. We're talking about how deep and powerful and like like fucking philosophical and existential this episode is. But there's one really stupid thing about this episode. I'm about to tell you what it is. Um, so the villains notice that there's an asteroid headed for Earth, and they're like, oh, okay, that's our plot. (laughs) Mutually assured destruction. Just, just, oh, hey, there's an asteroid headed for Earth. It's going to destroy Earth. Great. We did it. And they just start, like, kicking back somewhat and acting like they won because this asteroid is headed towards earth and they figure that's, that's all they got to do is just wait for it to hit. Yeah. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Just, just fucking the, the only complaint I have about this episode is this. (laughs) And it's not enough to really demerit the episode on, especially because it's kind of funny, but it is like, what the, what the fuck? Um, well, so, you've got a character in the villain side that's like already died and has come back to life. So like they're well aware what's what the afterlife is like. So they're okay with it at this point. Yeah. They're just ready to, they're just ready to go. Drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> oh, um, man. So... Uh, <laughs> and you know all it would take to make this plot make sense is the villains they have suicidal ideations wait it all makes sense (laughs) well that would be one way but a more a more child-friendly way would be the villains are like hey we're gonna build a, a, a you know like a bunker 
And then we're going to drag an asteroid into a collision course with Earth. So it's like something that we did and we also planned for it or something like that, you know, like just, just or casting sense. Like, I don't a know. meteor spell on Mariner. Yeah. Bay. Yeah. They got these like magic cards that they summon monsters off of. Maybe they have a magic card that can just make a meteor, whatever. Right. Fuck it. Who cares? I don't know. There's just I'm sure there was a Yu-Gi-Oh book. spell card that did that. I'm sure. Mystical um, Space Typhoon, so- Mariner Bay. <laughs> um. You've activated my trap card. Asteroid coming at Earth <laughs> by chance. That's the card. Um, <laughs> there probably so, is like a Queen Banshira card where it's like pay 500 life points to resurrect this card from the graveyard. And it's like status effect is on the field, but it's attack and defense is zero because it's a statue. Then you yeah, pay you like a like... thousand life points to like transform it into like a a three thousand three thousand creature with like and it's a special one of those cards. You got to figure out how to get it into the graveyard without it ever entering play originally. Oh, you have to like discard it from your hand. Yeah. I oh, God, I hate those strats. <laughs> cards like that are ridiculous. Um. So <laughs> Simon's like, yo, I. Uh, did some look into the telescope and I did some math and there's an asteroid that's going to hit Earth. And Joel's like, oh shit, we got to try to tell someone about this. Realizes that this is like actually very serious and that Simon wasn't just fucking around and like, you know, messing with him or something. And uh, Watch to Joel for believing, by the way. Like yeah, any other did... parent would just be like, shut the fuck up. Joel does not be like, Simon, what are you talking about? I don't know about this or something. Like he's just like, you showed me compelling information. Let's go, and that is very like affirming, you know. Oh yeah, this is like uh, we could have had the Ernie response of like, oh yeah, it's okay. The government probably knows. They'll take care of it. Right. <laughs> But Joel, he's way too smart for that. And he's like, I work at the place where we monitor global threats. I would know about this. <laughs> so uh, Joel and Simon head to the aqua base. And uh, they try to get Miss Fairweather's attention to like tell her about this. But Miss Fairweather is kind of like, and, uh, you know, speaking of like, Continuing the racially charged, there's a little bit of a racially charged element to the way Miss Fairweather treats them. Let's be real. As much as she's a likable character, she's not above casual racism as instilled in her by society necessarily, right? Yeah, I guess it's not necessarily as overt as like previous seasons. I wouldn't necessarily cause it as like a, it wasn't anything egregious. No, and I, I, it's very borderline too because Joel kind of harasses Miss Fairweather. So it's like there's a, there's a bit of give and take there. But yeah. it also feels like, you know, there there is this slightly dismissive, like I'm too busy to hear about this attitude that it's like you wonder, would she treat a white ranger this way? You really have to wonder this. I, I the, the episode just sets up too many of these questions. I think on its own, you could get you can get that. But I think in context, it's more or less like she could also just be like, hey, now is not the time for you to be flirting with me. Right. 
you know, because she... It's definitely she, borderline. They, definitely they borderline. Do, but like, at this point in the show, how many... I think we're, like, a good number of episodes in. At this point in the show, like, there's a whole will they, won't they that's been going yeah, on since it's a literally thing. episode one. So yeah. it's kind of just like, um, hey, not right now, Joel. I'm, like, literally in the middle of a scientific breakthrough. Yeah. You just can't help but notice things like that a little bit because it is such a racially charged episode in a lot of ways. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, And I think another thing that kind of sort of adds to it too, is just like, it could just be a byproduct of that stuff too. Right. As like, it's one of those things where it's like, they're doing what they can to serve as like the liberal version of like reparations for Mariner Bay. Right. Um, Yeah. As much as possible. So like, some of that internalized stuff still hasn't necessarily faded away completely, but it seems like it's yeah. much better than <laughs> than what post nine eleven has done to us. So, <laughs> oh god. <laughs> so uh, what ends up happening is that while they're trying to get Miss Fairweather's attention somehow, Simon just breaks into a computer and uploads his data, and they're like freaking out, like, "Is this little kid hacking? Is he hacking? What's going on?" <laughs> Yeah, the threat of the 90s, the alive and well, hackers destroying governments. When we imagined that future, that was cool. Oh, it was so cool. Miss Fairweather sees the data and she goes, oh shit, an asteroid's going to hit Earth. They sound the alarm. They decide that they got to immediately do something about this. And they send up the Lightspeed Solar Zord to uh, try to blast the asteroid. Um, but Queen Ben Shira senses that the Rangers are on their way to interfere with the asteroid and sends Olympias, who we go over this a little more in the season review, but Impus, the baby, eventually becomes Olympias when he's given the star power. And Olympias is a pretty cool and impressive villain at times. So uh, every time Olympias shows up to like fight one of the Zords, you know it's like the rangers might have to pull out some extra heavy firepower to really deal with him. And so sure enough, he beats up the lightspeed solar zord and Miss Fairweather realizes we got to bust out the new zords, the omega zords. It's time. They're not they weren't quite ready, but we can we can we can send them now. They'll be they'll be fine. We get treated to some really cool, I think it's probably Sentai footage. Um, I'm almost sure, honestly, because it, this, this kind of stuff is almost always the Sentai footage. Although you can never Sentai be too footage. sure um, <laughs> uh, of, of them loading the Omega Megazords onto the train. God, Ooh. that's, that's yeah. just some really cool like practical effects and miniatures work and different things like video compositing type stuff that like makes that little scene happen. You really have to appreciate that as like one of the coolest bits of practical effects we've seen all season. Yep. The the sense I put in this episode a, a is just sword. wow. Just wow. Incredible. Just wow. But it reminds me a bit of like how excited we were when we caught the rotoscoping of like a uh, saber tiger in the introduction to mighty Morphin power rangers or something like that, where we were like, yo, the rotoscoping of like all this shit is incredible. I don't know how they pulled yeah. this off. Yeah. It's like another one of those moments where it's just like, you're in awe watching this shit on screen. Like, wow. Can't believe they pulled this off. 
the Omega Zords head up to the asteroid, and initially they form this thing called the Omega Crawler, because apparently the Omega Zords have a few forms, which is kind of a neat feature to them. Um, Good selling point. Yeah, especially because the Omega Zords themselves are just kind of decent. Like, they're not the coolest looking... It's not the coolest looking Megazord we've ever seen, but, like, it's cool that the Zords can, like, do a few different things. That That kind of makes them exciting. Yeah, in this um, case, this one, like, the Landwalker mode is really good. The uh, And then the regular, like, fighter mode, I guess, with the Javelin also looks pretty good. But I think the actual Zord design itself is, like, very samey. Yeah, it's some... kind of 7 out of 10. Yeah. But, man, the Landwalker mode really sells it. But the it. different modes, yeah. What's interesting at this point is that some, like, claws come out of the asteroid and grab them, which is an unexpected little twist. That was the villain's plot point. <laughs> They're like, no, 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 we're we're hell-bent on on getting <laughs> obliterated together. It really together. feels like they should have addressed, like, this really just makes it seem like they should have just been like, yes, it's 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 asteroid magic. It's magic asteroid, you know? Oh, like cast the meteor the type plot. spell? Right, yeah, because like here it is and like, oh, the asteroid has some kind of weird power that it reveals. So they're... Kind of like Dragon's uh, Dogma type shit? So they shift the Omega Megas or the Omega Crawler into the Omega Megazord and they blow up the dang asteroid and Olympias more or less retreats. The Rangers head back to the uh, Aqua Base and Joel in the final moments, gets this clever idea, not so clever, to try to get Simon to ask Miss Fairweather to go on a date with Joel because Simon and Miss Fairweather have been palling it up the whole time in the control room, monitoring things, and, you know, like, Miss Fairweather has realized that, oh, Simon's super smart. And she's that kind of person that once you reveal that you're ultra intelligent, she just instantly likes you. So. So this is you could tell from the way this episode was directed and everything that Joel's character has never like had to play wingman before because never had to play wingman also never had to chase before. He doesn't know what he's doing at all. Yeah. He's the celebrity pilot that people just fall over to date. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah. Because in any other instance, like, if, if you've ever had the experience of being a wingman, you would just tell your, your boy, right? Like, yo, ask her about me. Like, see how she feels or whatever, right? So that way I know whether to proceed or not. But he's like, no, 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 just go straight for the question. I'm like, yeah, homie, and- like... No. You lack all sense of no. nuance and everything. That's no way to approach. What the hell? And it's clear that, like, this is an unusual kind of fish out of water thing for him because he's a very charming person overall. Yeah. It's but genuine. It's not malicious. Yeah. Yeah. He just can't figure out how to, like, get past this stuff. And as we kind of get into a little more in the season review, I think for Miss Fairweather, a big part of it is she's just not sure if she wants to commit while they're in all this danger, which is something we talk about. Several of the characters kind of give off this vibe to an extent about certain relationships that they have. 
for Joel, it's like rolling a one on a charisma check. Even though you have like a super high charisma stat that gives you like a plus three modifier with like a plus two charisma modifier uh, ring on equipped and everything. And you just kept rolling ones. Every time you decided to like try and flirt with this one girl that you're really into. Yeah, that's pretty much the vibe. So, and the girls naturally, like, you know, like I probably would give this a chance if you just didn't keep flubbing it every single fucking time. Every time, because yeah. like he flubs it this one, like he burnt out his goodwill because he decided to like not have any nuance or anything about it. And so, naturally, all this buildup that we're giving you leads to, if you couldn't guess it, Simon asking. Miss Fairweather out on behalf of Joel does not go as planned at all. Miss Fairweather sees through it instantly and cheekily says, uh, Simon, why don't I take you to the planetarium and we'll hang out? Just shaming Joel completely. Like, no, I'm not going to go on a date with you. I'll fucking spend an afternoon with your little cousin and enrich his life for a day. <laughs> um, just, just, just to punk your ass. Just amazing. The sickest burn ever. <laughs> yeah. Miss Fairweather like goes hard in the paint with uh, shaming Joel. It's ridiculous. You, you love to see it to an yeah, extent, you do. honestly. To a large extent. Yeah. Most of the time, <laughs> most of the time it's, it's like hilarious and not a problem at all. And sometimes very well deserved. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, no. This episode just it it had it all right. Like Joel's acting skills really shone through this episode in particular. Not to say that this is the only episode it ever shone through because it shines a lot in other episodes, but in particular, this was Joel's most defining episode of the season. And hot damn, this is like a. Uh, we we I think we rated this a 12, and I think I still stand by that because it's just an incredible episode. This is going to go into, like, the pantheon of, like, best Power Rangers episodes of all time. Same thing, I think, with a couple of yeah. our other nominations with Trial by Fire and Cyborg Rangers just because these episodes took, like, sort of socialist moral lessons and put it down into, like, 20 minutes of television. Yeah, really amazing stuff. I want to make a quick, before we do our final ratings here, I want to make a quick shout out to our honorable mention. This episode was really close to being included in the best. It's uh, up to the challenge. And we talk about this one a little bit in season review. It's basically Chad's Kung Fu movie. And it's so cool. Yeah, Chad the Blue Ranger Definitely a Chad, especially in this episode. Up to the challenge. Again, another one of those situations where Power Rangers kind of sort of takes a concept of like 80s martial arts flick and like just pins it down to like 20 minutes. How can we do this in 20 minutes? And then uh, Chad himself takes a lot of pride in his uh, Asian heritage. And he has a genuine interest in martial arts. And it comes off on screen. And uh, yeah, it's definitely a recommended watch on us. But this was kind of been like 
honestly, all in all, we could have like been like, hey, this is we could have done four episodes, really. But I I would be remiss to not also include Omega Project in my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. For like sure. it's it's for sure. it's that good that I was like, you know, like we can't actually like fully collude this time around <laughs> <laughs> like how we normally do. Uh, yeah. I am glad that we that we agreed on the worst, but I mean it was just so apparent this season really in particular. Um, yeah, really, really obvious. I can't I can I can hardly think of another nominee. So let's let's have our final ratings. You want to go first or shall I? Uh, I'll go first. Uh really right. easy. Trakina's Revenge Part One is a six. As bad as Leo's acting can be and as underwhelming as Trakina was this episode, you can't really go wrong with Lightspeed Rescue. The Rangers kind of like pull the episodes on their backs and hard carry you through to the end, despite, you know, the contrast with Lost Galaxy. Uh, That's a six. Omega Project's a 12. I've already talked about that. Trial by Fire's an 11. (laughs) And Cyborg Rangers, in my eyes, is a 10. Um, All episodes that are perfect or exceed what I would think would be a perfect Power Rangers episode. It's, It's that simple. This season, in general, really raised the bar on quality in terms of Power Rangers. Yeah. I, as you know, I don't like to break the scale quite as much as you. But I would still say the Omega Project is an 11. It's that thing that goes a little above and beyond the expectations that you had and deserves that kind of accreditation for sure. Sempacento. Um, I, I I don't know if the other two are 9.5s or 10s, but they're like in that top range in terms of just like trial by fire. The only complaints you can have about it is that it's a little too much too fast at times. And they could have just given a little more breathing room to Carter's development in certain respects. And like it just would have been that much better for it because there's just like a little bit of like tonal shifts between like Carter feeling like, you know, kind of being a little too like manic back and forth and Captain Mitchell being a little too manic and the little kid in the hospital going from like, I hate you Carter to like, I'm going to be you someday. Like there's just like, uh, if all of that was slowed down 10%, then none of it would feel weird. But at the pace it happens, that's like the only thing that you can really complain about. Cyborg Rangers, there's not a lot to complain about. It's just slightly lower concept than the other ones, like the other favorites. These episodes were very high concept. I think all of them. Cyborg Rangers was just like the least high concept. You know, whether they're 9.5s or 10s just depends on when you ask me, basically. <laughs> uh, if I'm pogging we're at, at this 10. point. <laughs> And we're at this point of it, Sensei Truther Club where it's literally like our ratings are just based on vibes now. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think that was always obvious. And um, <laughs> at least to some extent. And uh, yeah, so uh, if you catch me when I'm pogging, it's a 10. Um, if you get into like a critical discussion of does every single scene hold up in those two episodes, I might be like, it's a 9.5. Trakina's Revenge Part 1, that's honestly like a 4 for me. I really didn't get that much joy out of watching it and basically the only scenes i really like are 
the Lightspeed Rangers early on with the water bombs and stuff, like putting out the fire and just generally being rescue heroes, which is always fun and always just like puts off good vibes. And then towards the end, all the Rangers meeting up at the Aqua Base was fun. Yeah. Um, I, I can and see that's, that. That's it for part one, really. The rest of it is pretty much like just wanted to scroll through it, you know? I will say Trakina's Revenge Part One reminded me just how much I hated Lost Galaxy. Oh God, yes. But I couldn't like I didn't want to allow that feeling to affect my rating of the episode. So I was like, it's it's probably a six. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, <laughs> thank you guys for listening to our best and worst episode of Power Rangers Lightspeed Rescue. Quick shout outs to again Ted Anderson from Tonight We Riot. His Ted, we love you. We'll record with you again. Um, everybody out there, follow Ted. He's at Trash Griffin. Follow Tonight We Riot. They they're they're really wonderful, good people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh if you want to support the show outside of the usual social media, we do have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Sentai Truther. We have some content out there. Um, we're gonna be looking at the Power Rangers kind of like unauthorized bootleg universe fan film it's very yeah. soon and talking about that, which is the sort of, if you guys don't know, that's sort of a like R-rated Power Rangers uh, fan film that got a lot of buzz back in 2017 prior to the Power Rangers movie. And I remember that's what kind of like, I think that's what got me thinking about Power Rangers again in my in my adult years was that fan film too. Yeah. Well, and you know, those we'll get more into this when we do this recording, but um those unauthorized uh sort of gritty reboot things were were a big part of what launched Adi Shankar's career and now he works, you know, on like Netflix productions and that's it's incredible. Like, I didn't know. know this. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> That's we'll, why we'll I'm talk, not adding to it. <laughs> we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk more about it when we uh, when we watch it. But yeah, it's a very it's a very interesting story. Rangers, thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to rate our podcast five stars on iTunes and Stitcher. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to them. And as always, you can find Kennedy and I on Twitter. I am at Gravcast and Kennedy is at Kennedy T. Cooper. Stay safe, Rangers, and may the power protect you.